This is episode 213 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. I've got Walter Galveo on the show today and it was a great conversation. I really liked talking to Walter. Uh, he's a very well-established businessman been doing many different successful things in his life and he's into real estate development now he's been a real estate broker for four years and he just knows how to get himself around the right people and constantly grow his mindset he firmly believes in the you become the average of the people that you hang out with and your network is your net worth uh, which i i couldn't agree more with uh, i think that it's all about who we surround ourselves with and we just had such an awesome conversation today about business building time structuring, time blocking, um, also development, of course, and uh, just everything in between, how Walter looks at business and how he looks at growing his mindset. It was uh, a really refreshing conversation, a, a topic matter we haven't really focused on in a while on this show, and one that I think is extremely important. So I know you're going to get a lot out of this. I wanted to start off by saying thanks to everyone who came to the Investing in the U.S. Mastermind. Since I'm recording this before the event, I can't tell you how, ex how it went exactly, but I'm sure it was awesome. And uh, we may or may not be doing another one. Uh, you'll just have to check in with me if you're interested in coming to a future one. And uh, of course, I'll make sure that uh, we send out some information on that if we are. Some other things to note is one, we have the GTA West REI meetup happening in March, and it's going to be happening at the West Ave Cidery, which is actually just outside of Carlisle. Uh, so it's in the Hamilton area. It's actually only 12 minutes from my house. So I'm super pumped about that. I'd like to invite you to come. So uh, I believe it's on the 16th. Please make sure you're in our Facebook group because that's where we post the events and all the details about where to go, how to get there, um, etc. So make sure you join our Facebook, private Facebook group, which is available through the link in the description of this YouTube video, or if you're an audio listener, it's going to be in the show notes. So with that being said, please hit the like, subscribe, notification bell if you haven't already done so. And if you're an audio listener, please leave a five-star review and rating. It would be so greatly appreciated and it helps more people to find the show. Let's jump into episode 213 with Walter Galveo. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Walter Galveo on the show. Walter, thanks for doing this. I know we had a little confusion in the booking, but... Uh, you came as scheduled. No problem. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me on your show. I've been watching you for quite some time now. I have res much respect for a lot of the guests that you've had on the show as well. So it's an honor to be here if I can. Awesome. Yeah. And you came out to the meetup. Yes, another did. organic uh, podcast guest. That's how it seems to happen. So if you want to get on the podcast, come out to the meetup. Not a guarantee, but good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it was a good meetup, yeah. actually. A lot of great networking with different yeah. types of people from different uh, backgrounds. Uh, so definitely would like to attend uh, any future meetups you might be yeah. having. That's the cool thing because like we've had them as big as 100 people and as small as say 40 people. And you know what, even at 40 people, it's actually in ways better yeah. because you get to kind of get into some deeper conversations. I find 100 gets like a little, a little chaotic, crazy. Yeah. a little crazy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's hard to really get into a deep combo with many people. Yeah. You're kind of just like, oh, here, here, here. Uh, so yeah, we're actually uh, going to be doing a new location for March. Yeah, I heard uh, about that when you were saying that last uh, time. It's going to be uh, West Ave Cider. They said they agreed to have us. I think it's the 16th or 17th. Right. Uh, confirm that for anybody in the in the group. If you're not in the group, confirm uh, in the group. I think we already have it listed. So, anyways, not to go to uh, tangent, but. Uh, we got into talking. I know you're a fellow Burlingtonian, sort of. Lowville yes. still Burlington, right? Yeah, Lowville, yeah. Um, tell me about yourself. What do you do and uh, and what what led us to this point? Sure. So the first areas that we kind of met before was when I, I am a real estate broker, mm -hmm. uh, licensed agent. Uh, been since the uh, about four years now. When I first got into uh, being a real estate agent, I was doing actually more commercial. Mm -hmm. Then I got into the luxury market. And we actually met quite some time ago at an event where Ken Beckendam and Dylan Suter were doing um, an event at our Keller Williams office. And I remember that exact event. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was actually really Did good. We, were we like sitting beside each we other? We were sitting side by oh, side. That's hilarious. Yes. Okay, I'm remembering this. Yeah, now. so that's how long yeah. it went. Yeah. And you were actually just wrapping up on a development, doing cottages or something at the time. And um, so anyways, we gauged a very short, brief conversation then. 
Um, then I'm actually doing my own developments. Uh, so we're doing it. We just finished one in Milton, sold that one off, thankfully. Mm. Now we're doing nine luxury bungalows in Georgetown. And we just acquired another piece of land in on Barton and Milton again to build another custom okay. home. So, you know, I branched as a real estate agent and broker and then kind of transferred over to the development side of things um, just because yeah. I, de I definitely saw an opportunity. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed this with a few realtors. Um, one would be a friend of mine, Carlo from London, not not really doing much realtor business anymore. He, he keeps his license, but mainly as a tool, kind of facilitates his own transactions. Right. And I uh, know another guy who's been on the show, Marco. Uh, whom it may change. I'm not, I'm not, uh, not saying he's still not, but I asked him and he's like, yeah, not really, not really doing that. I refer most referrals back out right. know, to somebody else. Um, so are you kind of in that position too, where you're not really actively trying to take on clients? It's more, you know, focusing on your developing business or are you doing both? I've been doing both and I do have yeah. a team uh, that work yeah. with me. Um, I got a CEO that assists me with the, okay. the back end stuff. So you've turned it into a business. Correct. I yeah. literally turned it into a business. And I do believe in always diversifying mm. into multiple streams of income yeah. as well. Um, plus, I'm actually in the process of doing my own app for uh, real estate uh, industry as well. Uh, app? Did you say app? Correct. Yeah. App, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so multiple streams. You weren't you weren't kidding. Right? Yeah. And again, it's just because, uh, you know, you have your highs and lows with every any type of yeah. industry that you're in or any potential business that you're in. Yeah. So always from the onset, my background is is very entrepreneurial i just felt that you can't rely yeah. on one basically okay give me the backstory then before being a, a real estate agent you know you said you're entrepreneurial how 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 did you come to real estate yeah so i was actually um an, an owner part shareholder of the mississauga convention center so my background was actually 23 years in the hospitality industry mm -hmm. so we used to do a lot of high-end events whether it was corporate events or mm -hmm. doing social events for affluent families and the uh, the market started to change. I then decided to open up my own event design and decor company, mm -hmm. left the convention center, sold off my shares. And again, I started doing big events for casinos and Fortune 500 companies. Um, but the market went for a downturn. People were spending less. Um, there was a lot of DIY brides out there in the marketplace. So I started to say, I got to get into something else. So I would literally ask my clients, listen, you know, you know me very well. What do you think I should get into? And majority of them did say real estate. Because mm -hmm. in my mind, Andrew, I always had a real estate agent as almost like a vacuum sales person or used car salespeople. But mm -hmm. that was just maybe because of the experiences I had with other realtors. Um, I never really saw it as a, a true profession, I'll be quite frank. Mm -hmm. But once I got into it yeah. and I saw always all these opportunities, you know, there's so much opportunities out there for the serious yeah. real estate agent. Yeah, I like the differentiation you made there because I actually do think the majority of real estate agents is probably not a serious profession for Correct. them. If we're being blunt, um, yes. you know, the ones that fall, fall in the circles where their niche is real estate investing, they tend to understand more about it. They have an angle and they attract a certain type of client they work with. And they are a real value add. Correct. Uh, not to say all, I think it's like an 80-20. It's like anything else, you yeah. know, 80% aren't really that great. The, the, the biggest value is being delivered by that 20%. Yeah, and a lot of uh, yeah. licensed individuals out there, because uh, I, I believe we're now at 63,000, if I'm not mistaken, in Ontario. A lot of them don't even practice, You right? got it, yeah. So I, I wish we were like Manitoba, though, where we're, if 80% of your revenue was not generated through your real estate license, they'll actually revoke your license. License. So it'd be nice if that happened in here in Ontario, but just I just clean out the just uh, clean up. Yeah, but what, I mean, at the end of the day, like I never worried too much about that type of thing, right? Correct. Like, because the cream rises to the top, it doesn't it, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. if you're good at what you do, people hear it in how you speak. Yes, and and then that's another key thing. Like, I just met with a client yesterday. Uh, you know, we were meeting with her for uh, talking about listing her property, but we ended up engaging in conversation for three and a half hours mm. that I looked at her whole real estate portfolio, her whole uh, goals and objectives for her own businesses. And we actually just put an offer this morning on a property. And what she said was interesting. She said, I hear a thought you're going to be listing my property. Meanwhile, you're telling me to keep the property mm. as there's so much equity in it. And I'm basically yeah. telling her, let's build buy another property yeah. with the equity you have. So I don't come from like a desperation. I just literally come from a consultative approach. Yeah. Um, and that's where my success has been. And then from there, dealing with high developers, you know, whether it's small, medium or large, mm -hmm. they I treat them all the same. And they love that about me, that I'm very yeah. transparent, very open to me. Are they I, open to answering questions at the big the big level? Like if you yes, ask them? Yes. And, and, and they yeah. do that just because of the fact that they're seeing I'm not yeah. just trying to get a deal done, yeah. that I just really look at their goal and yeah. objective. That's what I, I review. 
Jake Jake calls it commission breath when when people just want to close. <laughs> oh, he's got commission breath. Yeah, that, I, I always made the joke that it was a stinky cologne. Des desperation is a stinky cologne. But, yeah, it's funny yeah. you say. I just heard that yeah. actually yesterday on, on uh, Instagram reel. But it it is true. Commission breath, desperation is is another big one. Yeah, especially in this market, it's changed. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Like any anyone, they know it. Like yeah. they, they could see it. Like you you cannot go in like if you're hurting financially in your job or in your sales business, you cannot go into a meeting thinking about that. Correct. You have to be thinking about not what's best for you, what's best for your, exactly. your client. And, yeah. and again, my success has been yeah. multiple uh, transactions with the same client. Yeah. And that's really what I what my goal yeah. is. And if it's not that client, they'll actually refer me many other clients because of the level of service I was providing to them. Um, especially on the commercial side. So when I would list somebody's luxury property, they're like, listen, we really enjoyed working with you. Do you also sell commercial real estate? Mm -hmm. And I said, yes. I don't do commercial leases, but I do, do uh, the sales part of it. And they're saying, yeah, because you're always reachable because most commercial agents do not work past five and do yeah. not work on weekends or long weekends. I thought that was the, uh, why you go be a commercial <laughs> agent. <laughs> yeah, you see, we're yeah. with myself. I do yeah. work. It's just my work ethic. Yeah. And that's what they love about me. And yeah. that's how I get continuous streams of uh, referrals. Okay. So where do you, like, what's the goal? Because I mean, people who do that, there's got to be something driving. Some, some people, it's literally just the fun of doing it. Like they just yeah. love doing it. Some yeah. others, they're so clear on where that takes them. Which category do you fall into? Yeah, it's actually a little bit of both. So I'm very passionate about real estate. I've always have been. I own obviously my own investment properties and land that we're using for, for development. But I just love the fact that it's a tangible asset. Mm -hmm. I never liked the financial sector. I've actually lost you know, money in the past with it. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a big, big believer in an asset portfolio. Um, so that's number one. It comes from a passion. I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing a job. I just feel like I'm doing what I'm very good at and what I like to you know, wake up every morning to doing. Yeah. But the other side of it is I do treat it as a business. I find a lot of realtors fail or they're not successful because of that. So yeah. I look at my you know, return on investments. I look at my financial performance on a regular basis as well. And I really watch my spending. What what return on investment do you see in real estate as a business? Like, are you talking investment of time? Are you talking investment on ad dollars? Yeah, what? I definitely time number one because it, again, if it's going to devote too much or yeah. take away a lot of my time, I got to put that in perspective. And is that like a hindsight evaluation? Like, this is you know this is one type of client I deal with, and here's how it's yielding. This is another type of client I deal with, and here's how it's yielding. It's that, but it's also not being stuck with the mundane tasks that I can hire a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's locally or abroad, that yeah. type of thing. I think our assistants were talking after hours last night, <laughs> you got it, yeah. which is great. <laughs> I was messaging Jane, and she's like on the phone with with Walter's assistant right now. <laughs> yeah, and so I use some, uh, yeah. you know, abroad. Some of them I do have an yeah. um, in person assistant which I uh, Ryan's amazing at. But again, I don't waste my time doing administrative stuff, as an example, or my mm -hmm. social media content. Some of it is directly done mm -hmm. through me because I do like to have that personal touch. Yeah. So I'm very cognizant about spending my time. I love doing podcasts like this. And I'm mm -hmm. more of a face-to-face -face networker. I don't like yeah. cold calling or door knocking. It's just not my thing. But attending events and networking, I love that. So that's your typical process. Like you'd go to an event like the one that I hosted and you'd meet people and from there something would grow. Exactly. Like yeah. at your event, uh, it's mm -hmm. funny because your our sphere starts to you know overlap. So Eva Young from Scotiabank, mm -hmm. she's she's actually my uh, representative at Scotiabank. And I refer a ton of business because I love the way she works. Mm -hmm. And then after, uh, you know, Jacob, I know uh, as well from the past. So again, we reconnect. So even though they're part of the same yeah. connections, it's nice to reassociate yourself because you get distracted sometimes and it's yeah. like hey jacob what are you currently looking for these days or what what are your, what are your clients appetites and then you just re-engage in conversation that way yeah um so that's one another one is conferences i do attend um you know canadian hotel investment conference it's coming up we also attend the land pro conference as well where there's developers uh, yeah. lawyers and um uh, planners that are attending that one and i really engage with other um professionals such as planners and lawyers because I do get referral business from yeah. them as well. So it's a very cliquey group, to be mm -hmm. honest, but once you're in and yeah. you've developed a really good reputation, they like that of, yeah. you know, of that part of me. And I, I like talking business building, so I'm going to keep asking you questions. Definitely. About so when you're building... Um, building the business, you know, engaging in these talks, I think a lot of people... Uh, 
who are in real estate are entrepreneurs. So yes. a lot of them have done sales. They've been in, they've been in this niche. A lot of them are realtors. How are you giving value in those situations to make people want to continue the discussion with you? Yeah. So whenever I attend a networking event, I don't do what what's benefiting me or what's in it for yeah. me. I'm really looking at it. Listen, what, tell me what you do. How yeah. can I help you out? Uh, you know, is there anything mm -hmm. I can assist you with in the interim? Why don't we sit up a meeting and have a conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, because again, your 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 goal is to network yeah. with as many as you can in that particular, um, you know, time period. And that's really my my shtick yeah. is I don't focus and be selfish. I actually yeah. go there with a different uh, state of mind. And once you put stuff out like that in the universe, you always get compensated after somehow. I like that. I, I've been so yeah. That's that's been my angle with the podcast, right? It just gave, gave, yes. gave. Um, probably should have asked a lot sooner with it, but um, but yeah, I think I think my first real ask was this mastermind I'm hosting uh, really? next weekend. Which, by the way, guys, a couple more. Uh, oh wait, no. By the time you're watching this, it's too late. But. For, to all of you that are coming, I hope you had a great time last night. So, <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's about giving that value first, right? And uh, I uh, I th I really think that there's something to that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it just feels better. It does. Like it's just it's just a better way of doing business. There's been things that I've done in the past where I'm like, I don't really like the feel of doing this. Yeah. I want to get into a true win-win, like where everybody's just happy. Uh, I've always thought real estate checked that box, especially when I was like building houses yeah. to sell to investors. The investors were happy. They were getting a cash flowing property. The tenants were happy. They were getting a, a tip top brand new renovated house. Yeah. And I was happy because I was making some profit. Exactly. So that's a win, win, win. Yeah. And those are the ones I shoot for. So what you're saying, hey, you're, you're helping people and then you're going to help them again as their realtor uh, right. down the road. And, and I think it, it, it just goes as a chain reaction. Mm -hmm. If everybody has that same mindset, mm -hmm. then it becomes a very successful outcome. Mm -hmm. But when somebody becomes greedy, it can you know divert and mm -hmm. go uh, in the wrong turn. Um, so I'm older than you. I'm 51 years old. And you know, as I get older, my my lifestyle changes as well as my expectations on outcome mm -hmm. uh, changes as well. So I don't have time to wait basically yeah. is what i'm trying to say and i learned just from experience you know follow your gut feeling follow your instinct if you feel it's gonna be a time waster just move on to the next yeah and also if it, if it doesn't really set well with me that i'm gonna be passionate about it i just don't get involved in it that's good yeah you're just following your gut yeah i've learned to follow my gut as well <laughs> no you did i mean look how far yeah. you're going you're going to florida mm -hmm. you know doing development that's phenomenal and there's other Canadians yeah. that are doing the exact same thing. The more the more time passes, the more I trust my gut more than anything, right? Because I can be very analytical, but yeah. at the end of the day, like if you can't follow your gut, you're you're just not going to go anywhere. Right, and it comes with experience yeah. because yeah. you went through trials and tribulations with other development yeah. projects. Uh, but the other thing too is, I believe an over analysis is really paralysis. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to follow your gut and you know jump with two feet in and yeah. take it from there. And in worst case scenario, you're going to learn from that particular opportunity. Do you have any tricks on on quieting the noise to be able to better understand what your gut's telling you? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in podcasts, in mm -hmm. seminars, in webinars. Even though I'm 51 years old, I'm constantly, constantly learning. So if I'm in doubt of something, I would definitely research what it is mm -hmm. that's making me have that doubt yeah. to make me feel more comfortable or even engage in conversation with other right. uh, professionals, you know, that we share mm -hmm. a liking to, to get their opinion about it as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I would say 95% of the time, I don't listen to the noise. I just yeah. literally will go. Uh, I, I also don't surround myself around negative people. Mm -hmm. I'm always, you know, you know, surrounding myself by uplifting people. We like to be supportive of what, uh, uh, each one of us are doing in our own lives, our own careers, uh, because it, that is important. Because if you start getting in a downward spiral with unsupported people yeah, around it's you, it's not going to work. It's yeah. not going to work exactly. So again, you learn that true trial and error. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing with community building is especially like the community that I have now with the podcast, the meetup, and all that. Like, there's so many people who are just absolutely crushing it. Yeah, that are happy to get together, have a beer, you know, go to the simulator, go play golf, like. Yeah. 
that's very valuable. Yeah. You, you, all of a sudden, success is the new norm, right? Correct. The norm in an average situation, you walk into you know a movie theater or whatever, success is not the norm in that room. No. But my goal is to get into more rooms with where success is the norm, high high levels of success. Yeah. And it's and it's yeah. worldwide. I, mm -hmm. I think as Canadians, we tend to think more local, mm -hmm. more global. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm dealing with people from Dubai. I'm dealing with people from China. Um, mm -hmm. These individuals are are families with you know. Four hundred million dollars. Yeah, way more money than you'll find around here. You yeah. got it, and yeah. and you just got to be careful, obviously, with yeah. our foreign, you know. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to bring money over from there. Exactly, yeah. and even from India, I just spoke to this person mm. yesterday that they're saying they're going to be charging now a percentage when when money's removed from India and brought to other countries as mm -hmm. well. So again, there's a lot of different things happening globally, uh, but again, once you have an, a platform such as your podcast or you're very exposed in the the marketplace, like my mm. big thing is LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Hands down, 80% of my business comes from LinkedIn. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So I'm not what, on LinkedIn. Oh, are you kidding? I, I had my my profile was canceled for some reason. They asked for an ID and then I just never went anywhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, honestly, if you, uh, there's a lot of guys in LinkedIn, they do podcasts like this. They'll do more short reels, you know, yeah. very- And uh, post them on LinkedIn. And post them on LinkedIn. Yeah. Honestly, you yeah. will see that a lot of people don't comment when you're doing but a they're post. they're paying attention. Yes, or they're DMing you on the back end yeah. because they don't want people to know that you're- Yeah, asking, they don't want to be associated. You got it, yeah. exactly. So yeah. honestly, if you've not been on LinkedIn, that's a huge game changer. Yeah, that's, so this is part of, you know, I'll just be like, I like being open with my audience is like, you know, this podcast costs quite a bit of money to produce yeah. now, right? So, yeah. you know, I brought on some sponsors and uh, that's starting, you know, to sort of cover the cost of it. But to take social media to that next level, it's like, do I leap first? Yeah. And, and trust? I think I'm kind of leaning more to just leap, you know, take on the hire and, and you know, 100%, like one of these Florida builds or whatever, I'll just sink the profits into this yeah. podcast and, and into getting it out there to more people yeah because it's already one of the biggest ones in canada and i barely do anything to promote there you it. go so <laughs> i need go. to start getting it into yeah to other it, channels and it's funny you're saying that just yeah. read this book on a youtube i forget the exact title offhand right now but i read that one and i'm just like i didn't even know you could make this much money in these different streams within the youtube platform in itself mm -hmm. so now i'm even considering doing it i never did it before because yeah. i was so busy but yeah. it's sometimes andrew that we got to stop and really think yeah. about it because this platform has grown quite significantly and i know you you did some modifications changing your your thumbnails and stuff like that which they look amazing but if you expose it further like a mm -hmm. uh, simple thing like translation services you know yeah. you know get them to translate you the got podcast. it into different languages into french potentially you yeah. got it yeah again yeah. don't think locally yeah. think abroad yeah. uh because you got that sphere you got your connections mm -hmm. it's just a matter of asking you know where, yeah. where else you want to go with it talk more about this because i like you have a lot of business wisdom right you've you've been involved in multiple businesses and uh we're, we're definitely talking about development don't worry but <laughs> <laughs> but but uh you know we're talking about you know thinking bigger thinking broader uh, I looked at this podcast as being a um, North American podcast. When I launched it, I, I had the intent of reaching a lot of Americans, but then it just ended up being more a Canadian base. Mm -hmm. Not just, I mean, I'm obviously I'm very content with that. Being Canadian, I think just Canadians identify with me. Right. Uh, but I always had the intent of, uh, you know, being open to going back to the U.S. and opportunity presented itself, went back. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I'll always have the unique struggles of a Canadian investing in the U.S., or potentially always, unless it became an American, um, versus, you know, Americans that are already there. So the reason I tell you that is how, how do you be broad when you're a Canadian real estate podcast? Yeah, I, I think like in your perspective or people that are doing a lot of U.S. content is actually getting sponsors from the U.S. side. Because yeah. remember, they want our business just mm. as much as we want their business. So it's almost reciprocating itself. Yeah. So I literally think, you know, dealing with lawyers there or, or you know, contractors in that capacity, interviewing them on your mm. podcast because you... Yeah, bring in the more American guests. You got it. You have the yeah. real life experiences. And then after people will start coming mm. to you for those referrals, for those contractors. So now you're giving more yeah. resources to your to your, to your your viewership, if you will. Stat-wise, the U.S. episodes haven't done as well. Yeah, you see? But yeah. again, if you expose but more... But as it grows more, yeah. You got we'll it. And that's what I yeah. find now is happening with, you know, local podcasts, like uh, mm. Price to Sell podcasts with Matt Campoli. 
Look, he just exposed mm. a fifteen million dollar uh, penthouse in New York. He yeah. just did uh, another exposure of mm. a Bahamas property. I think it's like twenty million. So he actually will be going to those sites, exposing those sites on his podcast. Mm. So you just got to do the exact same on the U.S. side in development. Yeah, yeah I'm going to keep keep doing uh, what I'm doing. I mean, there's always the adage: uh, the riches are in the niches. Although we say niche, but, uh, <laughs> and I do I do agree with that. Yeah. Like. Like I don't like competing with people. Um, I, you know, I like to think of other people as my brothers and sisters. I don't want to compete against them. I want to offer a unique value proposition. Right. I've always wanted to do that. But even a guy like myself, yeah. and we had a very short conversation at the at the network event. I've always contemplated to buy in Florida, honestly, mm-hmm. but I never really. I've been to a few different areas in Florida as well. But learning from a guy like you who's done construction in Florida, mm-hmm. that's huge. I mean, land is obviously much more affordable here yeah, than in, in, in uh, there in Canada than there than it is in Canada. But still, what is the average cost per square foot to build? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So you can bring value into that. Uh, so what I'm doing next to just to let you know, Andrew, is actually running educational courses, and this will be over a mm-hmm. weekend. It will be a high ticket price item, like about five thousand. I'm thinking about. Because there is no one teaching that. Mm-hmm. There was someone doing infill development, but there's no one actually doing development in itself. So it could be something yeah. you might consider, um, a course in yeah. de- doing development in Florida as an example. Yeah, so we are doing our investing in the U.S. Mastermind on Sunday, or sorry, Saturday, um, as of the launch of this is Sunday. So it'll have been last night for all of uh, you who are timing it. And um yeah, this is the first step. This is a this is a new territory for me. So we've brought in a bunch of really cool speakers. Uh, I've got Glenn Sutherland coming on, who, yeah. who has his own podcast on investing in the U.S. He's going to be there all day. And again, it's about getting in that room with people who are going to bring you up. Yeah. And so there's the education piece. We're calling it a mastermind because we want it to be interactive. We don't want it to be a one way uh, directional like info session. Uh, we want to really uh, get people the basics ahead of time, which we've already pre recorded. And then just get in that room and let's hash it out. Let's let's uh, talk ideas. Let's yeah. uh, you know answer questions that you have still, and uh, and get the most out of that day. So ours is a one day. Uh, we may do a, like a destination two day event, um, you know, for the next time if we do another. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's just it's about doing new things, right? I think yeah. Nick asked me to do this probably uh, five times. He said, "Come on, let's just do it. Let's just do it." I'm like, ah, I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, until I finally just said yes. And I'm getting in the habit of saying yes to good ideas uh, and finding a way to make time for it. And I, and I think yeah. people are eager now to do more in-person as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the other day I saw, I think it's called the multifamily conference coming up. Yeah. Seth yeah, and, is hosting exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the VIP was like 4,000 Canadian, but I'm contemplating it, honestly, Andrew, because you got to put yourself out there. You got to yeah. be, you know, with the big leagues and, and mm-hmm. really, you know, be belly to belly with these guys and have these candid conversations. And literally it's in, you're investing in yourself, really. Yeah. So that's where I'm going now, more face to face events on the larger scale for yeah. sure. That's so smart to do that. Yeah. Are you a member of like a car club or a golf course or something? So I don't play golf, but you know what? I, I, I think I am considering to take lessons this summer, believe it or not. Yeah. Because I get asked that a lot. Like, listen, let's go golfing. And I kind of feel bad. Listen, I don't really golf. I'm yeah. not very good at it. But golfing is definitely something. Because listen, within doing 14 holes, you know, within a six to eight hour span, you can, can do a lot of good business for yeah. sure. Because it, it puts the whole situation at a different environment. It's oh, not yeah. such a pressure sales, if you will. There's so many benefits. We're going to talk about the benefits of golf in just a second. So just on the note of the multifamily conference, anyone talking to Seth Ferguson, because I know he's not watching this, uh, <laughs> tell him I want him to come back on before the multifamily event. He can plug it all he wants on the uh, on the episode. Seth's a super interesting guy, super accomplished. Yeah. And yeah, uh, and then the parents yeah. are 65% sold of the VIP. Yeah. Well, that tells you something right yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at it as a filter. Correct. The $4,000 is a filter. Yeah. For all the people not willing to pay $4,000. And the ones that are, it's like they've self-selected themselves as people you want to talk Correct. to. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. And even the after parties and the networking events uh, after the conferences, they're, they're high level for sure. So I, I don't, I feel comfortable investing in myself to be mm-hmm. attending those types of events. Mm-hmm. So again, I think Seth would definitely be appreciative to be on your podcast, to be honest. Yeah, he was on, yeah. I, I think it was last year, right before oh, the first one. Okay. And he was asking me if I would be there. And I, I was in Florida at the time and 
we had a newborn and it wasn't going to work. This year, what date is it? It's in May, right? It's in May, May yeah. uh, 26th yeah. and 27th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit more our feet on the ground with uh, with our son. So maybe, maybe I can do this yeah. year. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I pick my battles with that one. Yes, <laughs> I, know. I, don't, I know. I don't ask too much. Uh, but anyways, okay. So getting back to why get an expensive golf membership. Uh, not just learn how to play, but join a good uh, country club. Uh, this is something that's been on my mind, and it was just a matter of you want to pick somewhere you're going to be for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, again, it's about self-selection. Like when we were in Florida, we we stay in a place called Quail Creek, and it's a community in Naples, and there are Ferraris everywhere. Oh, wow. Like if you're a member of that golf club, because yeah. they have the private club, so so they have the, the community, but then there's also 27 holes of golf course. Wow. So if you choose to spend the, thir- I think it was like 30 grand before, it's probably more now in US. Um, now you're all of a sudden going to be networking and knowing these people. Yeah. Like, you know, Jim, oh, he's the guy with the, uh, the red Ferrari down yeah. the street. Um, you know, he likes to play tennis. We know we're going to get a game. We're going to go have dinner afterwards. These people now become your friends yeah. and people love doing business with friends. Yeah. That's the key, right? People want to do, do business with friends. Right. And after they also yeah. say too that look at the pe- five people you're surrounding yourself on yeah. a daily basis. You uh, become the average. You got it. Correct. Right. So you want those friends you because the it. ideas and the way they think push you. Yes. And I think, well, one of the big reasons I wanted to do this event with Nick is Nick's thinking really big right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I want that in my life. Yeah. Like I want more of that in my life. Yeah. So I, you know, I thought, Hey, you know, not only is it a profitable thing that I should probably do as an experience, but also it brings me up. Yeah. They're, and they're inspiring yeah. you to become yeah. greater in, in your own life, which is, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And that's the way it should be for sure. Yeah. yeah. I like the way that this discussion went. We, <laughs> we don't do this enough on no. the show, uh, but you know, you were the, the right guy for it. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's, anything else we should cover on this topic before we shift into the development? No, honestly, I, th- I think we just talked a lot about, you know, training, uh, you know, being confident in what you're doing, surrounding yourself by the right network of people. Again, that f- same slogan, your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. I, I strongly am a firm believer with that. And just constant connections, like, and, and also set goals to actually have so many connections on a weekly basis. And I think that's yeah. where, you know, realtors, they have that mindset. Mm-hmm. To me, though, I'm talking about, yeah. I just want connections, period, no matter which, you know, uh, realm you're from. Because yeah. I've been learning as I've been going along, like, big time about different opportunities that are out there. Uh, so it's not just land, yeah. it's not just development, but there are other things like REITs, I'm looking to big time. To mix, invest in? To invest in, yeah. mix is another one. Uh, so I'm actually looking at developing my own REIT because I come across some great land opportunities. Yeah. Like we just came across a golf course uh, yesterday uh, for six million in Kingston. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. maybe we can get a few friends together, you know, create a REIT yeah. and buy that. Well, that, you could just do a syndication too. Or a syndication, yeah. exactly. That's another thing too. So again, I'm I'm going to that m- level now because I was mm-hmm. helping other clients achieve what they were doing yeah. and i've learned from that as well you learn about what they want it becomes so much more real Correct. oh so it's not really as complicated as i made that seem because i literally just watched you do you it you got it yeah. exactly and, and again we overthink yeah. things or oh, all we get time. terrified about the unknowns sure yeah 100 one thing i actually wanted to uh, ask you about now that you bring it up because i find being an entrepreneur one of the biggest struggles i have is holding myself accountable to a, a weekly structure mm. So sort of like in the idea of a schedule, of course, you can schedule meetings. I've never been a big fan of meetings, Um, but scheduling time to work in your business and time to work on your business. And then, of course, time to connect with people. Those are three core areas. Are there any core areas you'd add to that? And how do you structure your, your business? Yeah, so I bl- I'm a big believer in blocking time mm-hmm. uh, accordingly because you need to do certain tasks throughout the week. Because mm-hmm. right? if you don't block it, you're just going to get overwhelmed yeah. and you're going to yeah. lose sight of it. So in Keller Williams, we have this thing called living your life by design. Yeah. So what I actually will do is I will work on myself personally. Then I add my family uh, to that as well. Mm-hmm. What do I want my family's life to live be by design? And then I work on my career of what I would like that to look like. And then after once I have all of those figured out, I start blocking those time slots. So I wake up at 5 a.m. I'm a big believer in the 5 a.m. club. And at 5 a.m. I'm doing my gratitudes. I'm doing my, you know, 10 pages of reading. 
Uh, now I'm going. So this is like the miracle morning. You got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big believer in that. Yeah. I've just been doing it involuntary because my son. Yeah. He wakes you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, and actually. Different never, reasons. Yeah. You, and you never go back to the old <laughs> schedule. Trust me. Just keep on going. Uh, and you're, you remain a 5 a.m. or for life when you're your father with the young children, especially. But then after I focus on then the next part of the the business. So, you know, is it networking for one or two hours with those, you know, new connections that I want to make throughout the week? And then after I focus on following up with clients that I currently have things in play with, you know, just saying, we're, you know, updates where we're at, how the weekend went, if there was open houses, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So time blocking is very, very critical. Um, there's this guy, actually, I don't know if you know Justin Conoco. He's in the London yeah, I area. Know Justin. Yeah, like he's got these great things on, um, oh, what's the, the app, new app platform? That's going to escape me. Clubhouse. He's got okay. these guest speak engagements on Clubhouse, and he breaks it down by different, um, you know, sequences of a pod of of uh, clubs, if you will. And I've learned a lot because I used to be I'm a Type A, I'm a driver. That's just my mm-hmm. personality. But now I really hold myself accountable in the actual calendar itself. I've mm-hmm. had coaches, by the way, also holding me for accountability. Mm-hmm. I do believe in spending money yeah. on that. Um, and it's it's the return on the investment has been mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like my business is literally tripled because. And of what that. kind of coaches are are you hiring? Are yeah, they so the, real estate specific or are they others? Uh, actually, yeah. the, very good question. So mm-hmm. they were real estate specific, but I am thinking about getting a personal life coach. Actually, yeah, yeah, because again, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, because again, mm-hmm. we think always too much about the yeah. business and not so much on the personal side. And I think you know, as yeah. humans, we sometimes need to work on that, whether it's with your spouse, your children, or outside uh, extended family uh, and friends as well. Uh, so again, I, I I'm open to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even these really good retreats that are coming out in the marketplace to find as well. You know, some are just men only. Some of them are uh, retreats for entrepreneurs just to decompress. So I always keep my options open. Basically, nice. yeah. I think I think I can be a little tough to coach for for some, <laughs> for some people. Um, I did, I have spent on coaching. Yeah. I, I um, at one time I spoke with Stefan Arnio uh, and. Uh, I was just looking for somebody who would help me with like wholesaling coaching. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, Stefan, I don't I don't really want to spend the 80 grand. Yes, <laughs> I know. I was kind of thinking just a package, you know, somebody yeah. who who does a lot of wholesaling. I just want to fly under their wing. Yeah. Uh, and I got hooked up with one of his coaches. And I think what that ended up being is more just somebody who's a peer that we would just chat. Yeah. And it wasn't like he had achieved a higher level of success significantly than me or anything like that. Although I I had tons of respect for him. It was just like we were sharing ideas. And so a lot of it was me just <laughs> answering questions for him, like things right. he was working on. And um, I think I've kind of made that mistake by not playing that big enough. Yeah. I, I probably should have back then just paid the 70 or whatever it was. And yeah. And he passed actually. Yeah. So I actually yeah. read all his books and I saw him yeah. at this uh, investor summit that was happening at the mm-hmm. Toronto Congress Center. But again, with your platform, mm-hmm. just put the question out there. Listen, I'm looking to, you know, uh, align myself with a wholesaler successful mm-hmm. in Ontario. Let's yeah. have coffee. Let's meet up. Yeah, yeah. You'll be surprised. And you know what? Things things have, uh, you know, changed so much since I was, I was you know, going down that road. That was like 2019. Oh, okay. Um, a while, a while back. Yeah. yeah. 2020, started 2020. And, um, I definitely have have like a different goal set. I'm thinking much bigger than that now. Good. Um, I, development, yeah. basically, and and that's what that's the next thing is, you know, large scale developments, um, large scale syndications. You know, let's let's take the principles that work small, because I think I figured quite a few of those out to some degree, uh, and let's scale that. Yeah. And, and then listen, uh, you you got the contacts, you got the connections, mm-hmm. you know, with even within your own family, but. To me right now, I'm actually looking at land flipping. Land flipping? I, yeah, literally. So just buying it and then reselling it. Yeah, well, buying it, yeah. rezoning it, maybe even get a draft oh, okay. plan approved. So that's still development. That's yeah. still development. But see, yeah. development to me is when you start getting into construction. So I've learned now from oh, my... I separate those. <laughs> see, I, to me, those are entirely separate. Exactly. I, I'll tell people, I mean, just because you can develop does not mean you can construct. Sell that piece of land. <laughs> you got it. You sell and it to a the headaches are, are, are yeah. much different. Let somebody who has yeah. you know full-time staff or hire dedicated to this hire or somebody, hire it yeah. out. Correct. Yeah. But even hiring, though, I'll be honest, Andrew, like mm. you might think you got a good construction management, but then you find out you're doing 80% of their work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's generally the way it goes. <laughs> I mean, you've got your well-oiled machines, the companies that can do development construction start to finish. Yeah. Uh, and they're the big names you'd know. Um, and then you've got the smaller players where they're far more likely to sell it to a constructor, you know, because it's hard to know if you can trust the people that, are, you know, say they can do it. Yeah. Because you probably haven't dealt, if you're just getting into development, you probably haven't dealt with people who build on that scale. But see, as a, as a realtor, there's so much backend stuff that mm. we are privy to information. I got, I signed up myself. So for, you find out about stuff. Yeah, I find out about, yeah. a lot about stuff. And is there again, anything like you're getting like just inside info uh, where this is a deal that's just so obvious and uh, like it's oh, just who you knew? Definitely, definitely. And, and again, the, the challenge became for me was the financing side of it because I've over I'm pretty much over leveraged right now with so many different projects mm -hmm. that I have on the go but that's where the REITs come in or syndication come in yeah so definitely we should talk about that because again just on Saturday two golf courses up for sale one it was in Richmond Ontario the other one is in Kingston Ontario and I just start thinking who am I going to approach about this um because the opportunity is there yeah because they can it. be easily developed into yeah rezoned get yeah. it in the mzo especially now with the current appetite with the provincial government what doug ford has done i know some people were against it but i'm talking about the new planning act the expansion of the uh, the green belt there's so much great opportunity there, then you got mm -hmm. infrastructure of transportation whether it's lrt or 413 mm -hmm. happening so yeah, so we're looking at areas like Glancaster, Hagersville, mm -hmm. Smithville, and you're looking like where are these places yeah. he's talking about? It's Niagara region. Like again, Welland is still a very good market yeah. for Colburn, uh, because literally affordability is if you want to afford, you got to go yeah. outside of the GTA. And I'm yeah. talking like an hour sometimes to and an I don't and see half. it getting getting that much better, but for sure people naturally just you know they go outside of the cities if they can get a bit of a deal. Yeah, it's just it's just very very basic. Um, you know, microeconomics, macro, yeah, macro, yeah. like it's just, it's just behavior. Yeah. Like it's just what people will do, right? Well, I always say water flows to the lowest point. So correct, you got it. And I think too, yeah. because of COVID, what transpired, people don't want to go back to work. So they're finding careers that they can actually yeah. work from home or yeah. some of them are turning themselves into entrepreneurs. Well, there was that big exodus from Toronto all throughout 2020 yeah. and even into 2021. One, yeah. Uh, People just didn't want to be in the city. No. Not when you're locked no. down. I mean, the only benefit to the city was being able to, you know, just get all the things you want really quick and yeah. go all the places you want really quick. But if they close everything, then you lose your benefit. Yeah. Like I'm talking yeah. to business owners that they have to pay pretty top dollar to keep the employee that they had before to mm. keep them happy because they were saying, I can get a job at Amazon on, you know, doing customer service online and in the, my comfort of my yeah. pajamas in my home yeah. uh, at the same pricing or dollars that they were making. So anyways, there's been a whole different mind shift. So therefore, people don't really li need to live in the GTA. They can go on the outskirts and have yeah. a very good livelihood. Oh, yeah. I think Hagersville would, would work nicely. Out of all the towns you mentioned, I mean, I, I know that as a small town. And it's like, what, it's about a half hour from Hamilton? Yeah. 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 Perfect example. I mean, there aren't any major highways going to it, but no. you probably have less you know, Reason. traffic congestion yes. exactly. uh, coming into work if you are going into Hamilton or something like that. Right. Um, so interesting. So do you have a deal that you've already done or is this just the new idea? Yeah, no, well, the one I just bought in, uh, Milton on Barton street, that was one hell of a good deal. Uh, but that wasn't a land flip per se, or you're not constructing it. So it is probably a land flip too. Why well, yeah, that one, we are constructing it, but we bought that one at 879,000 mm -hmm. because there's a house on it. Just to let your viewers know, there is a difference substantially on two uh, aspects. When you're doing a vacant land deal, you have to pay park and loo fee, which yeah. on average is about 5% of the appraised value on okay. the land. So I saved money right so there. So if you already have the house there and exactly. then you save development charges, you got it. do you have to not tear down? I think we were talking about this. You have to keep one wall up. No, in Milton, in Milton you don't. that does not apply. In Burlington, people people keep a wall up. Correct. So I'll see that all the time in town. They'll, they'll tear down, they'll demolish everything but one wall so that they can get their credit for development charges because Burlington's so wise that uh, if you tear the whole house down, then you lose that credit. Yeah, City is, like London, Ontario, yeah. you keep the credit. It goes on file. Yeah. But I mean, I guess they haven't figured that out yet. In Burlington. Yeah, and, and I think that's yeah. going to change too yeah. i i think like oakville's the same you keep one wall keep one wall not a full um uh construction but development charges is huge because from when we sold 22 barton we paid 140,000 just in development charges and then we paid i think it was like 45,000 uh, if mm -hmm. i'm not mistaken on the five percent barker luffy so right there just changing my mm -hmm. shift about buying an old bungalow we're gutting it right down yeah. to the core and rebuilding it from scratch 
it I just saved myself over $165,000. So again, that that was on that particular deal. On the land flip though, um again I was buying big properties, decent size uh developments uh for some of my affluent clients. Uh there was one per client we sold her land for 4.2 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, adjacent to the future go train in St. Catharines. Yeah. We sold it for 4.2. It's now worth 11 million. She didn't do much. Do you see oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I should start doing this. That's, that's why. Yeah. yeah. So now these yeah. two golf courses I'm talking about, one is 85 acres. The other one's 125 acres. Mm-hmm. There's great opportunity there. And again, one's only 6 million. The other one was 2.8 million. So they're not very uh, big in terms of the initial purchase price. Mm-hmm. But the turnover, if once they get those rezoned, it's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah. Can we talk uh, rough numbers on on the one you did in Milton there? That wasn't a land flip. So you did, did, did you end up building? What did you build? Yeah, we ended up building a 3,400 square foot home. Okay. Uh, that was 22 Barton. Okay. Um, the purchase price of the lot was 875000 Okay. Uh, when we bought that. Yeah. Um, your hard construction costs, that doesn't include any soft costs or permit fees and stuff like that. We were at $220 a square foot. Um, okay. Yeah. On Again, times 3400 this did have an unfinished basement, and we sold it with no appliances. So you ripped well. the whole thing down and built Correct. from scratch. Correct. Okay. So what was your all-in hard cost? Do you know? Yes. Yeah, so... Again, per square foot, it, it was the 228000 I can tell you profitability, you know, clear. Yeah. Uh, once everything was completely done, was 450000 450000 So give me an idea of what you sold it for. So $2.5 million. $2.5 million. Yeah. Okay, so you were in for just around $2 million, including um, all your interest. You didn't have development charges. Correct. Didn't have no, no, that one we you did. did still? Okay. Had development charges and park and loo fee. Uh, but again, Even though it was an existing building? Uh, so that one was vacant land. So 22 Barton was vacant land. Okay. The one that we finished and sold for two yeah, and a half million. Okay. So yeah. you just happened to find a vacant lot? Correct. What okay. it was, again, yeah. you know, to, for your viewers, I always tell people, guys, look at very oversized lots. So you severed? They severed it. So they, they did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what happened is he yeah. bought the parcel. There was a house sitting on the left mm. side. He okay. severed it. And then he sold the one on the right because it was okay. vacant land. He was smart. And yeah. he decided to build on, on the house on the left, demolished it, and then rebuilt. Yeah. So, you know, there's large infill properties that are mm-hmm. like this out there in these older municipalities, if you will. Yeah. And most of them are in the downtown core. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people look for that, right? They just drive around right. looking for oversized lots. Oh, yeah, that one looks like I could do something. You got I've it. I've looked. I've never had much luck finding, finding that. But uh, I'll talk to other people who seem to find it <laughs> yeah no and yeah. again there's even this group on facebook at infill development i think it's charles Wong yeah, that charles oversees Wong. that one yeah. yeah so he's he actually did a course as as well you know that's where i got kind of my inspiration to do my own yeah. development course but i really do feel that there's opportunities out there mm-hmm. um another thing too as a realtor beginning that we get exposure on the mls is under brokerage marks. Um, you know, if you look at remarks such as estate, meaning that it was an estate sale mm-hmm. or even a power sale or, pa- or a, a foreclosure, there's so many great buys. Like mm-hmm. it's incredible because an estate sale is good for someone who wants to renovate and flip that property. When it comes to a power sale, obviously the bank is taking back or the lender is taking mm-hmm. back the property, but there's still really, really good buys, especially in this market. Unfortunately, people are passing. Unfortunately, people yeah. are losing the properties. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of power sales uh, coming up. I, it's, and I keep saying this, it's the renewals. People are renewing from from two and a half into you know, five, five and a half. Most of them are going to handle it. They're going to find a way, you know, re-amortize, do something. They'll be okay. Yeah. But there will be that handful and you know, all that certain percentage, whatever it's, you know, two, three percent, whatever. Yeah. They're just going to start going power sale. Yeah, because there was yeah. people that went into the market, even though yeah. you have the total debt service ratio. Yeah, you, you met the 5.29 from five years ago. Correct. But, but now it's actually more than the than the stress test. Yes. And yeah. assignment sales, they're at an all-time high right now, too, because there are those that bought pre-construction. They can't, they close. can't close. So these people are probably taking a bath. A lot of them are probably right. taking yeah, a bath. Yeah, a lot right? of them are losing as well. So again, yeah. for those that, people that yeah. have cash, great opportunity to buy. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad set of circumstances, yes. of course, but... Um, you know, if if it's there, you know, might as well you you know utilize the opportunity because someone is going to buy these deals, so you might as well. Yeah, uh, and, it'll be, and it'll be interesting to see if there will be a March increase. Some people are saying yeah, and some people are saying a quarter percent. Yeah, but I don't know. I I think you know, 
it's it's going to start to yeah. even out. My prediction is that we're going to see CPI growth start to look a lot smaller because the bulk of the inflation happened last yes. year. Then who knows? I, Michael Burry posted this, and I, I thought that made a lot of sense. Like he thought he thought CPI would actually go negative. I don't know if we're going to see that. We'll see. Um, you know, as we get further into this year, because yeah. that you know the real peak of inflation sort of happened last year. What April? Yeah, that was when we got up to like eight percent or something like that. And um, so you think that's when the most of the damage was done by, but you know, you know, now we've kind of recovered. Not so much recovered; it's just not going up as much. So relative to to say ten months ago, in, inflation isn't nearly as as that isn't as different. Yeah, you know, the, the actual level of CPI isn't as different. Whereas relative to twelve months ago, from right now, we hadn't yet reached our peak, which is why it's still showing what five and five point yeah, six or 5. something. Six. Yeah, um, I think that's going to keep going down. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And but has it fixed the problem? No. And the way they're controlling the problem is absolutely so absurd. It's like the most basic questions aren't being asked. Literally in the CPI is rent and mortgage costs. Yeah. <laughs> so now that everyone's paying more in interest, it pushes the CPI up more. But their solution is to increase interest rates more to combat that. Um, obviously, it's only a portion of it. Uh, but what about supply? Did anybody think about maybe stimulating supply, dropping regulation, helping or, get... Or discounted development charges. Yeah, discounting things, yeah. just helping get that economy going yeah. uh, in terms of supply so that we can drop prices back down. Yeah. But I, I think the municipalities are getting greedy too because, I mean, look at or, our... Look, look at, at Toronto. Toronto. Property taxes are 7.59%. That's an all-time high. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, in Burlington as well, you know, mm. our mayor is not mostly keen on doing development. Well, then somebody's got to pay for it. Even when you got these people adverse yeah. to, you know, this towers taking yeah. place or development taking place. I thought she well, was pro on the towers, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, I, sometimes I, I hear do to you know dual yeah. dual conversations. Um, I mean, I like control of towers. Like we don't need forty foot skyscrapers mm. in 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 Burlington. But we do need development, especially when it's coming to affordability. Yeah. The younger, you know, first-time home buyer, they could likely afford a condo versus, yeah. you know, a, a townhome or a detached, right? So I believe we need those in the market. But I will tell you, my developers, they pushed back. They're not doing development in 2023. They are not even doing launching of sales in 2023. Mm-hmm. So wait to, if you think we have a, an issue now of inventory, oh, it's yeah. only going to get worse. This is why it's so hard to predict when we've when we've bottomed out. I, I posted on uh, my sister channel, Aria Hot Seat, the other day that I see some signs of, of the market sort of normalizing. Yes. Like it's not really like falling the way it was. No. There's actually signs of inventories coming much down. Yep. Uh, so that making equilibrium price stabilize. Um, I do, you know, I, I say that and I also say I think power sales are going to go up, but it doesn't mean that investors coming in from outside the country, mm-hmm. REITs, um, different funds don't start buying up that real estate and Got there's it. no excess supply. So, and in that first, we were worried about foreign buyers, but how about the corporate buyers now? I corporate, mean, yeah, I funds, yeah, funds, yeah, your Blackstones yeah, who have like openly it. said they're gonna they're gonna be buying up residential real estate. Like, that's a thing. Yeah, that, and, and why wouldn't they? Uh, when if they think it's the cheapest it's gonna be, and um, also too, when interest rates go up, so does rent costs. And yeah, they increase as well. Yeah. and then you got these tenants that are complaining about it, but it is the way the market's going. So you know, the other one actually out, out, outworks the 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 principle mm. of this increase. But again, it's just the actual environment that we're in. So mm-hmm. is it really going to correct itself 100%? I don't believe so. As a realtor, I'm yeah. seeing multiple offers already. So uh, you're seeing it coming back. Definitely. Yeah. Offer presentation days are coming in. Yeah. One thing that's not happening, thankfully, is that the realtors are not listing the property under market value so to, just to get the hype. So therefore, yeah. but people are, people are appreciating that, mm-hmm. saying, okay, I understand they're looking for that price. So is it just below? Mm-hmm list or just above list um so that needed to be corrected because that was going way out of hand i mean you were getting like 92 showings and Mm -hmm. you know how many of those can actually really afford the house i mean there was one uh at one time that was listed at nine hundred thousand, but really that seller was looking for 1.8 million this is when we were in the boom you got in the boom. yeah yeah Yeah. that's just could potentially be wasting a lot of people's times but i feel like you could just call that realtor up and say, what are you expecting here? Yeah, yeah. But some of them wouldn't disclose. They won't say? No. Yeah. I think, does that yeah. put them in a compromised position if they do? Well, you, you could definitely say, uh, like, you know, don't we bother saw a house not, down the yeah. street sell for, for X. Yeah. You could definitely can use that type yeah. of language. But at that market, you just didn't know mm-hmm. where it's going to end up at. That was the fear. Yeah. And I think people got so engulfed in that that they really didn't know what they were buying. I'll be honest. And yeah. now when it comes to refinancing it or renewing, oh boy, yeah. wait until that happens. Oh Appraisals boy. will not be at par. I'll 
the people who who were flipping a property in the middle of all that. Yeah. And um, this is why I always said plan A, B, and C because what happens if the market did exactly that while you were flipping it? If yeah. if you if you only had a plan A, then what? Yeah. Right. If you got a plan B, oh, we'll just you know refi, eat a little bit of what we have in it, and uh, you know rent it out, and we'll be okay. Yeah. You know things like that. Just having thought through, what would I do? And then the ones where you really can't answer, don't do that deal. <laughs> no, no, definitely. And again, too, I definitely say to your viewers to take advantage of the new act. Like as an example, in Milton, when mm -hmm. we are now doing our new permit, we didn't even have to go through site plan approval. That's the beauty about the to, act. To, for how many units? Just for one. For a just unit. one detached. It's in a heritage protected yeah. area. You so they've not, scrapped that. It's no longer needed. They scrapped it. Yeah, there's a lot of actually Burlington used to require it, and then there a few years back they dropped that too. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, you needed it for X for certain types, and then there, I remember distinctly that there was a time that it got dropped a few years ago. But I know uh, a client of mine in Burlington; she waited eight months for a minor for, variance for a minor of variance. a foot and a half on the yeah, side yard of her, for extended garage. So we got to step it up. We got to, you know, really expedite the timeliness of these processes. And I know they needed to get, you know, obviously the uh, people that are in charge of the committee of adjustments or whatever involved. Mm -hmm. But in today's times, it could be done so quick, so much quicker. But, but again, because there was people mm -hmm. not working the city because yeah. they weren't online, it everything becomes yeah. a delay. Yeah, if you look at the fundamentals, it really does seem like, you know, Prices are, are probably not going to go down for that long. No, I mean I'm not saying they won't go down further, yeah. but but how could they stay down? And I've been asking this question over and over again, and I'm I have no crystal ball. But there's just so many fundamentals that kind of say, hey, we're going to need more houses. Yeah, and when you have way more buyers than you have sellers, there's you know what happens to price, especially with immigration yeah. increases as they're yeah. predicting. And over you know they say 80 percent of those immigrants will be living in the GTA. Where's the inventory? Where are they going to so go? At some point, yeah. you're, you're, it's going to start picking up again. In my opinion, what's what's Toronto? What's the GTA going to look like from from a living standpoint when the prices go that crazy? Yeah, and then there's a lot yeah. of talk about you know we'll be like Manhattan, where we'll be predominantly yeah, you yeah. know renting in Very, Toronto. Well, yeah, and yeah. in uh, London, England's like that, like ninety seven percent investor owners, yeah, and then three percent like but also uh, but I also see Something two like options for co living. So yeah. that's huge right now in the states yeah. where two or three individuals are pulling their money together, mm. buying a property, and they're trying to build their equity up in in groups, yeah. if you will. I don't know if I love the idea of that. <laughs> I'd like to see more people with, you know, an acre. They got an acre yeah. and they, they grow a little bit, make a little bit. I think teach people to be more of producers because Correct. I think the cities create a lot of uh, consumers, but not producers, right? How could you produce in a city? You yeah. have no space to produce. You know, you're less likely to take on a side hustle because you don't have the room to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. So I think it works naturally for a kind of a, a less government run life and to have people who can produce yeah. and you know yeah. think they're not dependent bigger, yeah bigger picture. thinking more entrepreneurial yeah. not as dependent not as controllable because when you're dependent you're controllable um you know abstract conversation for another day yeah but uh definitely where my mindset is i'd love to see you know more people getting out into the country and doing yeah. things no. uh, i think that'd be great for for canada so and there's huge opportunities there yeah, yeah, and there's all this land, right? Yeah. We have so much land mm -hmm. that the like why we all need to be in Toronto. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we I agree. don't need to be there, especially with the infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, now they're even having um, a jet uh, um, uh, boat coming from, let's say, Niagara the Lake to Toronto. I heard about that. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, half that'd be an amazing. Hour, so there. it'll be a hoverboat. Yeah, hoverboat, winter, exactly. winter, and and uh, summer. That'd be awesome. Correct. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, so I I will look forward to riding that. That sounds great. But, <laughs> but even at the airports, like yeah. Hamilton's expanding their air line fleet mm -hmm. uh there was a huge thing with the hamilton monroe airport there uh windsor also as well mm -hmm. is expanding their fleet so it's not just yeah. so heavily focused in toronto so you're going to start seeing big changes yeah. happening in these you know smaller communities yeah. with airports so walter tell me about a deal and uh, we we're on all over the place but i like sure. it i love the discussion um tell me about a deal like you talked about land flips like what's on your radar you don't have to tell me the exact location or anything like that but give me the idea of what you're looking at right now that seems like a good deal Right now, we're looking at very large parcels of land, zoned agricultural, that there's potential that it will be coming into an urban boundary yeah. anywhere from like the two to five year mark. 
So that's a green belt expansion kind of thing, probably. Green, yes, green belt expansion or just um, it's coming into it's in an official boundary. plan. Official so you've looked plan. at a city's official plan. Exactly. You know that that's within a boundary for a certain time frame. Exactly. Do they give you that detail? They say within... they will say we project X. Uh, yeah, it becomes more challenging when it comes to the water and sewer infrastructure of roadways yeah. and stuff like that. But municipalities are becoming very yeah. good because they they. When the provincial government did do this new planning act, they have their own population targets that they have to commit to obtaining mm. as well. So they're under the rapid fire as well. So if they don't start being more open to actually, you know, turning over their their zoning, then they're going to be in trouble mm. themselves. Um, so the, uh, I definitely think it's farmland or very large parcels yeah. of land, like 200 acres, where you might get an MZO involved. What's MZO? When they actually will take that and put it into uh, the urban boundary. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And yeah. this is happening a lot in Alliston, as an example, Curtis, Cannington, uh, because they want development to go in in the yeah. the, the west direction as sorry east direction yeah. as well. And in my experience, like dealing with people of the city, uh, go talk to them face to face, get to know them, yes. and you they drop little hints. Definitely. They, definitely. You definitely learn things from those conversations. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer in, in attending, you know, meetings, you know, with the planning t- team when they're mm-hmm. talking about any urban expansion. Yeah. Because you want to develop that. Oh, network. you should definitely get into those those conversations, especially you're talking about like your pre-consultation. You oh, yeah. Exactly. Go to those. Yeah. Go to yeah. those just to observe or yeah. to listen to. They, they sure. bring all the city staff into one room, Correct. you know, the people who have say so, and they yeah. all give their two cents. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Now, I find it harder yeah. these days because there's so much turnover with these planners. You don't get to know that. Them. Yeah. They're, you know, they're getting, you know, taken over by, you know, these developers that are offering more yeah. money and more benefits. But yeah. just keep up with it. It's worth yeah. your while. And for anyone who's not familiar with this process, uh, pre-consultation is is sort of the first step when you go and talk to the site plan office and say, I'd like to do this. They say, OK, let's schedule you in for a pre-con, uh, pre-consultation meeting. And, you know, here's here's the things we need from you. Right. And, you know, we need a sketch. We need a proposal and, and we'll we'll circulate it. And you got every person yeah. from every department, whether it's mm-hmm. transportation. Yeah. whether it's infrastructure or whether you learn so much about planning. all the things they consider exactly yeah and, and like what their shadow and light noise yeah. um yeah traffic's a big one you know so they'll tell you hey you're going to need a study on this and we think this and uh now you get this big list of you know a hundred thousand dollars of studies and engineering reports that you need to get and right. uh and, and then it's you, cost a fortune and cost, it costs a lot you pay a consultant to do it yeah. and and you know they organize everything lots of time but I've heard a lot of people say that once you get that list, it's pretty, it's pretty much straightforward. I agree. Not to say there couldn't be a surprise because yeah. I've been through the process and have had yeah. a surprise. Yeah. But, uh, but at least it's, you know, I've heard many stories where that, that is the list. And when they say it, it, it ends up being that work with a good planner that knows these people in that office right. and, and can predict them. I'd say that's yeah. probably some good advice is to work with somebody who really knows the people working in that office and can tell you what they're likely to do. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, about yeah. our, our group is that we are, have access to proprietary information mm-hmm. and we're literally following the big developers. Yeah. So if they're going so to if they're getting region, approvals, then you. Yeah. And that's yeah. it's like, where do I have evidence that this? Works. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if they're paying, yeah. investing in the infrastructure on the expensive parts, yeah. then you're just basically tapping into those as well on the, mm-hmm. in the future. You just got to be patient. Yeah, yeah um, let them do the do the work. You, got um, you can also benefit from them. Yeah, like you said, the infrastructure, like if they're adding sewage capacity and, and water main capacity, just be near them. And now you can build too. I agree. Uh, the, you know, you might as well uh, let them do the hard work for you. Yeah, and there's and a the lot of land work. partnership agreements that are taking place with multiple builders, the big, big developers. But again, if you're a stone throw away or if you're across the street, mm-hmm. you know sooner or later it's going to go, go to that stage. So with our, our real estate team is we will actually create decks. Mm-hmm. So before we're actually even sending it to our potential buyers or interested parties, we actually will do all this due diligence, package mm-hmm. it together, let them know what yeah. our thoughts are about this particular opportunity, and then yeah. they decide from there, work with their planners. Okay. Very cool. So regarding the projects that you're looking at right now, like what's the price point of acquisition that you'd be looking for? It could be anywhere from two mil and we were going as far as 80 million. Obviously, when you're getting to the 80 million, you're looking at the 400 acre mark. Okay. And do you have some private uh, equity investors that are willing or have already expressed interest in joining you on these projects? Definitely. Yes. And again, anybody that's interested, they can reach out to me Mm -hmm. because that is the hardest part, Andrew, is having the people with the funds to actually act quickly Uh, because there's a lot of competition out there. I'm not the only one that's doing Mm -hmm. this. There's many, many people out there on the ground doing it. 
Um, but it's once you're you find an opportunity. Yeah. Listen, they're willing to give you maybe sixty to hundred twenty days for due diligence, yeah. but you got to close it at some. You got to work it, yeah, yeah. And if you were to do a deal like that, like what are you expecting your profit to be as a percentage of your acquisition cost? Have oh, you ever worked that out? Yeah, no. Honestly, sometimes we've seen up to five hundred percent, five hundred percent minimum of acquisition cost. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, and, and, and that's the beauty of it because so you're buying for two million, you could have a ten million profit. You got there it you go. easily. Okay. Yeah, and also yeah. too, it, it, the only real hard work you're doing is getting it rezoned getting it reappraised with the new rezoning yeah and then you're selling and then selling it easily why not uh very different skill set than constructing that's why i've always said that's a very different thing yes Uh, (laughs) some people do consider it part of the same and want to do it all Uh, yeah i don't know i'd say do what you're good at i agree do what works well for you what you have a skill set for yeah and And enjoy doing yeah and and once i started getting into development a lot of doors opened Mm -hmm. for me as well where people wanted to reach out to me can you do my custom home or can you do development so i really don't do work for other people but i will refer my contractors and they love me for Mm -hmm. helping them with that um but it's definitely opened a lot of doors Mm -hmm. for me on the on the other side of acquire acquisition if you will yeah yeah wow that's uh that's very cool you uh you seem to do a very good job with connecting with people and and um, building yourself up by by getting in those rooms. Definitely, definitely. and uh, and you're learning from them. I love it. Yeah, it's a this is a very very growth oriented episode, and I think it was well timed. So I uh, appreciate you coming on, uh, Walter. If people want to reach you or follow you, where should we send them? Yeah, so our our Instagram is uh, at Accelerate Realty. Uh, Accelerate. Realty? Realty, yeah. Okay. And then after then, our website, AccelerateRealty.ca. Um, well, you know, I'm sure you'll post it as, as well. Yeah, I can put those links uh, in. Yeah, definitely yeah. reachable. Uh, I'm definitely busy as well. So some people will st- start talking to me about joining my team. We're not looking at expanding our team whatsoever, mm-hmm. but we are firm believers in alliances. So if you're a realtor out there, you mm-hmm. got opportunities. Listen, yeah. we can work together to get a deal done. And that's where I believe is, is yeah. the future as well. Uh, even with off-market opportunities that, you know, of a friend of a friend, friend that has a good potential uh opportunity just you know share with us and we'll let you know right away love it awesome well uh walter really appreciate this it was great uh, connecting with you yet again and thank uh, you andrew for the opportunity it was great yeah let's get out and we'll golf lowville you got it (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay talk to you soon thank you so much Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.